Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Lonnie, I just want to recount my cinema experience for you watching this film. Mm-hmm. And I want you to tell me whether, like how the vibes are. Like, okay. do you reckon, like, is this all right? Or was there something wrong as I felt? So packed cinema, this movie's only out for like a week and then it's going to streaming. And so I had people sitting next to me. Fine, doesn't matter, whatever. About, I want to say 15, 20 minutes into the film, the guy next to me reaches down and unzips his backpack. Very loud zipper, but that's beside the point. And he pulls out a canned beverage. Mm-hmm. Cracks the can. Super loud in a cinema where you're not allowed to have canned drinks. And drinks it and puts it in the drink holder that, like, we're sharing. And I looked at it, like, I glanced at it, and I was like, Mm. that's slightly smaller than a regular canned soft drink, but Mm. okay. And then over the course of the next 10 minutes, he proceeds to drink it. And I think what he's done, I think he's, I think it's beer. I think he's brought in a beer. Okay. And now I was at a Hoyt Cinema, which was licensed. Mm. But I think that means that it's licensed for them to provide you with alcohol. I don't think that means you can bring in your own alcohol. Anyway, how many drinks do you think he had over the course of this movie? Which is, what, two hours? That's in multiple cans. How many cans do you reckon he pulled out of his Mary Poppins bag? <laughs> no. Three. Three! Okay. Does one really need three beers to get through Glass Onion? (laughs) And it was back to back, by the way. Like, he would literally skull the last bit and immediately go and get a beer out of his backpack. And he was a young guy. What's going on there? Some people like that. I thought you were going to say it was an energy drink, and that's too too much energy to bring to a cinema screening. (laughs) Possible. True. I'm pretty sure it was beer, because I'm pretty sure I could smell it. Yeah. No, not on, I reckon. Vibes off? I just feel like every time I go to a cinema screening at a palace cinemas, every single time someone knocks over a bottle of wine because uh, they're drunk the or you know, it's dark and stuff, mm-hmm. every time you hear that thunk. Mm-hmm. So I think you should just not have alcohol around a cinema, personally. But what about the sweet crack of a can of a cold one? <laughs> Do you time it well? <laughs> no, not at all. It's a big reveal and... <laughs> This is I Only Like You and Movies. My name's Lonnie. Her name's Sinead. What did we watch this week, Sinead? We what, watched... What mystery has unfolded? Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery. Pretty cool, eh? And we saw it in the cinemas, like lots of people have been flocking to do. Mm-hmm. Because it's only in the cinema for a week. Weird, right? Very weird. I don't really understand... Why they can't just do a regular cinema release? Yeah, well, it makes me think that Netflix are really interested in subscribers. I think mm. I 
I think they're in the 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 subscriber business, not the making movie business, unfortunately. And so, do you think they saw this movie being really successful, or the first Knives Out a couple of years ago, and they they bought it and they they paid like almost five hundred million dollars for the Knives Out did they series? Really? Yeah, but do you think they did that to sort of make sure it didn't go back to cinemas, and so people would go to Netflix to watch it? I mean, obviously that's part of it, but I I think. You know, ideally, you'd have this in the cinemas for a while, and then it ends up on Netflix later on, right? Did they think do that? this one as a sequel wouldn't be as popular or something? And so they're like, "I'll oh, we'll just put it on streaming." Well, I think maybe it's they want it to be get good reviews, good word of mouth, but then it's only in the cinemas for a week, and so if you want to see it and you haven't got a Netflix subscription, you go buy one and watch mm-hmm. the movie everyone's talking about because that's the only way to see it. Mm-hmm. However, as every other cinema or every other movie shows. If it's in cinemas for ages, you get people going back and back. And mm-hmm. it's like an event. You have to go see it, like Top Gun, for example. And there's still that sort of idea of, you know, something just turns up on Netflix one day, it's less a quality. Not necessarily true all the time, but that does sort of exist, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's that's a side point. Um, we enjoyed the first night of the act, didn't we, Sine? We did. It's a great movie. Hmm. We were keen for the sequel, and here it is. I'm very looking forward to this um, tremendously. I, for some reason, thought they were on a yacht the whole time. Did you feel like that? Oh, I th- yeah, I thought it was going to be a um, like Agatha Christie where they're on the train, but like on a yacht. Mm. But then I think I'm getting that confused with Death on the Nile. So, well, yeah, I, I thought it was a take on that idea, and, yeah. the, and all the promo was them being on a. On a boat, so it was. It's then, true. Then they turn up on the boat for about five seconds. I'm like, okay, they really are. <laughs> um, we'll get into spoilers, but just generally, Sine, what is the what's the plot? What's what's going on here? So Daniel Craig is reprising his role as Benoit Blanc, and mm-hmm. he's invited to a billionaire's birthday on his private island. And wait, is it birthday party? It's his birthday, isn't it? I thought it was just hanging out because of COVID. Okay, maybe we're just hanging out because of COVID on a private island and this billionaire has invited like five of his friends and he invited them to come to a murder mystery party. Mm. And so there's a thing to solve, but not really, but kind of the person getting murdered is not who we think it is. Yeah, basically. And also in a very interesting twist, the billionaire, Miles Braun, played by Edward Norton, didn't invite Benoit Blanc. Mm. So what's going on there? That's a, that's a sort of secondary mystery. That was a cool twist, I thought. I thought so too. Um, like the first film, there's a setup, but also the setup really is let's get a bunch of famous people and put them in a sort of uh, wacky scenario mm. and then get Dingle Craig to solve the mystery and, and be and do a funny accent as well. <laughs> it really does work, doesn't it? it does. It's fun seeing all these famous people, and it's instantly, instantly uh, replicable. And it might, you know, wear out as welcome eventually. But when the writing's so good and the they've turned, they've switched up the location and, and setting really well, you could do this forever. You could do this so many times. Mm-hmm. Um, who have we got in the cast today? Who only only did a Craig reprising, but who else is in the new cast for Glass Onion? Well, Ed Norton, you already mentioned. Mm-hmm. Janelle Monet, whom we love. Mm-hmm. Um, Catherine Hahn, one of the greats, all timers. 
Jessica Henwick's in this, Kate Hudson, um, Dave Bautista. Am I missing anyone? Okay, Leslie Odom Jr. from oh, of yeah. Hamilton fame. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Pretty cool. Um, now, of, the, of those, of that cast, I'm going to say it. Jessica Henwick, underutilized, could have got rid of her, wouldn't have changed much, really. It's almost offensive that she was in this movie, not because she's offensive, but because of how <laughs> underused she is. Yeah. Like, why bother? I know that sounds really harsh, but like, why bother getting Jessica Henwick for this role? Like, and it's it's what? the second Netflix film this year that she's been underutilized. I know. She was in Grey Man. What's they going on? They clearly there? don't see her potential like we do, Lonnie. Mm. I like. Why was she there? The whole thing was like, oh, our five closest friends or whatever. So you bring one person's assistant. I'm sure the others have an assistant too. But why? Did, why is yeah, it just true. Jessica Henwick who comes? And look, as, as I look back on her filmography. She's in Iron Fist as well, and she's the best thing of that. So she's not underutilized, but she's in, you know, she's a supporting character in a series that wasn't very good. Best thing about it, but still. Understatement of the century, yeah. (laughs) But she was also in The Matrix Resurrections, which I forgot about. yeah. Right? (laughs) So there you go. She needs a better agent, I think. Yeah, there's something about, because she's, there's maybe the stuff we haven't seen. Or maybe it's like the tactic to get her in all these crappy movies and make her the sure. best part of it. And so we're all like, oh, my God, Jessica Henwick's amazing, yeah. proportionate yeah, to what we're seeing. I'm yeah. on to you guys. I know what you're doing. <laughs> well, she was in Game of Thrones for a while, so probably. Oh, probably probably, probably not, yep. <laughs> uh, um, also, while we're speaking of it, she's playing um, Kate Hudson's assistant. So Kate Hudson is like a model turned entrepreneur slash Instagram Influencer. Influencer sort mm. of thing. I'm like, I love Kate Hudson. I thought she was great in this role. Do you feel like that her, she was just a bit too old for that sort of character? Yeah. Like, I feel like she's supposed to be a sort of young Kardashian sort of thing. Like, mm. I don't know, like a Jenner or someone who's like, you know, late 20s, early 30s or something. But she's a bit older than that. Which I think, like, it still worked, but I just kept thinking, like, you, you're staying and doing things which I would probably expect of someone a bit younger than you. Yeah. I agree. I'm, ha- I'm happy okay. to agree with that. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> uh, Dave Bautista is pretty great, though. He's playing a sort of right-wing um, yeah. streamer, Twitch streamer, a men's rights activist. Mm-hmm. Um, I always think he's fun. He's, he's a great actor. He really is. He's good value. It's yeah. like, oh, he's always going to be funny. Everyone's always going to laugh at his jokes. He's a very, mm. like, unoffensive inclusion into a cast. Absolutely. And they use his physicality really well in yes. every role. <laughs> um, so, um, what's, what's the general plot, though? The, what do you think of what happened in the films today? So it sort of it leads up to a mystery and then we re- reveal that there's a secondary mystery that's sort of going on, which I thought was interesting. Are you talking about the envelope? How do you mean the envelope? The, the evidence. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, we is think that we're your there too. Or are you? How many? Well, first and okay. secondary plots are there? <laughs> well, there's the plot everyone's invited to the to the weekend, mm-hmm. and then the whole idea is that we don't know why Benoit Blanc's there, mm-hmm. and then it turns out he knows why. He's there on a second. He's on a, there on a secret mission. That's that's what I'm thinking of the secret oh, mission. Okay. So mm-hmm. the plot, the, the story stops and goes back to him, sort of. Yeah. Being secretly there with the plot himself. I don't That's know what I'm getting at. 
how I feel about that. Because the flashback made up a good chunk of that, of the film. And we flashback for quite a while. I guess it's, well, it's integral to the narrative, so you can't do it any other way. And I don't think I would have wanted it. Um, what's the word? I just explained to you. Rather, yeah. Rather than shown, yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I liked being in the past for as long or maybe where it was when we flashed back didn't sit right with me. I'm not sure now that I'm trying to articulate it, but. Well, it, was, it, was, it wasn't it was unexpected. You weren't thinking we're going to have a huge flashback sequence here. So yes. it was a little bit jarring when that happened. But I think it was interesting. I think because it was unexpected and, and you know, the first mystery is why has he been invited and the secondary mystery is, oh, wait, he's actually got a secret thing going on here. He's smiling mm-hmm. everybody. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was cool. And I like how in a sort of mirror to the first Lives Out film, he's um, sort of commissioned someone to work with him. Yes. So he <laughs> he did that with um, Ana de Armas's character in the first film. They're sort of co-investigators. Mm-hmm. And he does it in this one where he and um, Cassandra, Andy, Janelle mm-hmm. Monáe's sort of character, they're sort of working on this together, which is cool. And and she gets to play two characters, which is fun. Or yes, plays. I loved her physicality, how she changed as each person. I was like, oh, what a what a role to be able to do something like that. It's it really cool. it it demonstrates that everyone, including us, sometimes we've said this before. It's like, oh, that that person just plays himself in every role. It's like, no, actors are doing so much work that you don't even see, and mm-hmm. really because they're doing it so well, you don't understand. Um, how well they're they're fulfilling a character when they you know talk and walk and everything else they do. So really, when she when she can have the, the slightest sort of change into her physicality, she's a different person. Mm-hmm. And she's also playing someone who's playing someone, which is yes. an added extra. Yeah. 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 Actors are pretty good, let's face it. <laughs> um, Edward Norton, he's playing a billionaire, owner of a large tech social media sort of weird company that they don't really go into details of. But, what you know. what a time to release this movie. <laughs> Why is what he means to me? Uh, uh, no reason. Allegedly, allegedly. Please don't see me. Oh my god. Um, so the, this. Yeah. But what's what's? No, please, please just say it though, so we can. Oh, talk okay. About. Um. Well, we're recording this. Elon's going crazy on Twitter. I mean, that's that's the story of the last ten years, though, right? But well, how do you want me to? When say are you not then? going crazy on Twitter? <laughs> is my point. Now he recently bought Twitter and he's gone. He's gone. Every every step he makes is it's the wrong one. Edward Norton's character is playing this billionaire genius. However, the film pretty much is a character assassination of him, mm-hmm. as it shows everything that he's achieved is he's stolen from someone else. He everything that he's supposedly the genius of, he just employs other people to do. Mm-hmm. Perfect timing for this to come out. And you, I saw some tweets about like they would have been so excited when this <laughs> came out when it did, but they couldn't have spoiled it because that that's the, the no. great. Yeah, you had to sort of sit in it and let people experience it for the first time, and I, I wonder about Elon Musk watching the first half of this film, being like, "Hell yeah, this guy is just like me. He's got a special car. He's so clever. Everyone loves him. He's mm-hmm. the best guy in the world." And then as it shows up, oh wait, he's dumb. He's stupid. He's he's horrible. His friends ultimately will turn on him. But there's such a lack that, of self- that experience of him watching it would have been so interesting. Yeah, but there's such a lack of self awareness there that I don't think he even would draw the parallel. You know, I think he go, "Oh, this person is so dumb. I would never do that." 
Oh yeah, but at first people were like, "Yeah, they're making a film about me," and then yeah, yeah, you have to distance yourself at by the end of it. You're like, "Oh, it's every other billionaire who's stupid." Yeah. Um, and did you pick up on that at all? That ultimately he was hollow as the genius. Yeah, yeah. I think it's quite um, not heavy-handed, but it's quite explicit in how it explains oh, that. No, yeah. no. I mean, yeah, eventually, but I'm, I'm getting at it. There are a few hints throughout, and I was like, he used the wrong word there. Or, yes. Oh, wait, that, that special thing that he made, the box full of games, he, he paid someone else to do it, and he paid Gillian Flynn to write the mystery for him. I that was, was like, very hey, funny. So what's going on here? There's I, a few things lining up, so yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. I very much liked the fact that he hired Gillian Flynn to write the plot of the murder mystery, um, and that he thought he'd get away with just doing something like that. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, And then it was over in two seconds. I did pick up on the different words, but I thought they were just using that in the way that, like, here's a billionaire who doesn't know how to use language properly. He's just using buzzwords that he doesn't know. I didn't go beyond that to think, oh, it's actually pointing to the fact that, you know, mm. there's something else going on. No, it was a good sort of um, good good clues that they that made me think about it, but the, the, the film was going sort of skipping along so fast that I was like, well, that's weird, and then had to keep going. Looking back, you're like, oh, wait, that does add up to something. Mm-hmm. wasn't like out of nowhere, you know what I mean? Sign of a good mystery. Yeah. Uh, that was the that was probably the highlight of the film for me when Benoit Blanc uncovers the mystery in about two seconds mm. and ruins the whole whole weekend. That was very fun. <laughs> um, yeah, that was just that, that was a great thing that you don't necessarily see on many uh, mystery shows at all um, stories. Just it was it was like skewering mm-hmm. the genre, and it was just so kind of a, uh, a heavy-handed generic setup for that yes. um, mystery, and he's just like totally done it in two seconds. I thought that was interesting. Mm. I will uh, say they hacked my. You know how my complaint is like if you have one famous person in the cast, and it's like a who done it. It's pretty obvious who it's going to be. Like on Only Murders in the Building season one, of course, it was Amy. I feel like they've hacked it because if you have a whole cast of famous people, you're like, oh, well, any of them could be the one. But I did pick that if Ed Norton didn't die, it would probably be him who's orchestrated all this. My other option was it was going to be all of them together, which yeah, I guess but... it kind of was in a way in terms of all the stuff with Andy. Well, yeah, they they were complicit, yes. if not actually involved, yeah. Um, and it was, you know, the whole point was that power corrupts but also corrupts the person involved but also everyone else around it who have to stay close to the proximity of power to yeah to maintain their lives but also he he had sort of done that on purpose so that they were indebted to him yeah i will say that's one part of the narrative that didn't feel very true to me at the end where we're you know smashing all the glass and stuff it sort of revealed that they won't the rest of them won't stand up with not Andy, Cassandra, because they're so indebted to him and they're worried about retribution. But then they switch in two seconds and get on board. And I didn't know that there was a strong enough reason for them to switch. Like her speech, just saying that you're bad people. Yeah, but Mm. she said that earlier in the night as well and you didn't change. I mean, at that that point they'd realised that he'd killed their friend, right? Well, did they? At that point, it seemed sure. to me Can't it remember, was more but, coming but, into like, you're not going to control us anymore rather than a, oh my God, you killed our friend. I can't believe you're a monster. 
Well, I think it was just a, a sort of cumulative effect, and also he'd um, destroy the Mona Lisa, so he's got no power now. Yes. He's going to be a worldwide pariah for destroying this famous I, piece of art. I did like so that he's, he's... joke of you will be mentioned in the same breath as the Mona Lisa now. <laughs> I keep yeah. you wish. I, I think... I think it was good they all turned on him, but also it showed that the second he hasn't got power over them, mm. they turn on him. Like, yeah. Yeah. That, that's not necessarily, they should have been doing that beforehand if they were good friends or, or you know, good friends to the person who, who died or, you know, who was being, who was being wronged. They all lied on, on, in court to protect mm-hmm. themselves. Yeah. So I think it showed that they've, they've come around, but also doesn't mean necessarily they're great people now. Fair enough. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Ethan Hawke, what's he doing? Listen, don't try and sneak a little cameo from Ethan Hawke in and disguise him with a ponytail and sunglasses. I'm going to know. I'm going to know that that's Ethan. That's my man, Ethan. You can't <laughs> slip that one past me, Ryan. It's, it's about- just such a nothing role. He's like the bodyguard and he's in one scene mm. where they do like a COVID test. No reason for him to be there. But it's like my favourite thing though, right? Like where they get a really well-known actor to do like a little bit part as a little, I don't know, inside joke. I don't know what the joke is, but I'm here for it. Here for any movie. small parts. (laughs) True. Um, A few other cameos too, which, you know, not always the hugest people for cameos, but they're all sort of worked here and they're done sort of charmingly. So I think that's what makes it work. Do you want to see more of Hugh Grant in future films? Yes. Okay. So I sort of got spoiled about this, that mm. someone tweeted very cryptically that um, there's a cameo from a person that hints at Benoit's wider life and that he would be such a, that person would be such a good inclusion into the um, mm-hmm. franchise. Absolutely. And so my brain was going, oh, who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? Didn't even think of Hugh Grant, but oh my God, perfection. Yes. If you've seen Paddington 2, our favourite movie mm. ever, um, unironically, by the way, he he's perfect for this because he can play camp and just have fun with it, which I think is what his roles are like moving more into now rather than, mm. you know, he was such a heartthrob for such a long time. And now I feel like he's finally getting to have some fun acting. Yeah, well- well, he doesn't enjoy acting from what I've read. No. He, every film wants to be his last film, but he just sort of keeps getting dragged into it. But, yeah, he's having fun with it now, which is great. Mm. Um, there was something about some tweets, because that, you know, 
confirms that they're in a relationship and so Benoit Blanc is, mm-hmm. is gay and I think people would speculate that, but they're trying to say that they just decided that he was gay in between films and that's why his, yes, his outfit that. is different. Mm. Well, his clothes and more like also in the first film, he's like in New England during winter, so of course he's wearing sort of coats and darker clothes. In this film he's on holidays in Greece, so you know, kind of feel like the costuming goes with the character yeah, and the location. But extrapolating that extrapolating their point. So gay looks a certain way then. You have to dress a particular way in order to code yourself as gay. You can't wear regular clothes. Oh, no, you have to be flamboyant. Exactly. That's just bullshit. Yeah, totally right. And the other point was, like, this guy in in Knives Out, he was sitting in a car by himself singing Sondheim. (laughs) Like, you know, not not to say that a straight man couldn't do that, but also it's not like it's a surprise necessarily to find out that that he's gay in the second I film. I thought we all speculated about that at the time. Yeah, I, well, it's, yeah. yeah it doesn't matter. Really. Like, it's no. just a, it's a fun, <laughs> fun part to his character. Hmm. Um, and speaking of Sondheim, he's in here, and so is Angela Lansbury. Are they? Yeah, I'm not saying anything, Sunday. What's what? When he's on, when Benoit's in the in the bath and he's on Zoom. Oh, and Natasha. Yeah, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yes, 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 yes. I remember now. Yeah. <laughs> it was sad seeing um, Sondheim and Angela Lansbury. Yeah. Last film roles. I Yeah. It always fascinates me the personal relationships between people in Hollywood. Mm. Like, it's obvious that they're friends with Ryan or someone, right? Or someone in the cast. Mm. And it's like, who else are you friends with, you know? And who's <laughs> not in this movie? Does that mean you don't like them? Maybe. Yeah. It's fun to me to think of this sort of what world is Benoit Blanc, what, what, what's he running around in that he's friends with all, all of these people in one yeah. group chat <laughs> or one group session on Zoom. Uh, okay, so what do you, what, where's next for these for these characters? What do you, what do you want to see Benoit do next time? I don't know. Maybe like a safari expedition or like... Yeah. Um, I've seen Ski Lodge spoken about. Ski Lodge sounds good. I'm here for Ski Lodge. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's time for a traditional. We're on a trip, sort of on a on a train or a boat, mm. perhaps. You don't think that's encroaching too far into the Poirot sort of stuff that's come out recently, or? Well, uh, that's probably why they haven't done it yeah. so far because they've been doing those remakes with Kenneth Branagh's mustache. <laughs> Um. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, potentially. I don't know what else you. What else could you do for a for a murder mystery? I don't know. I did really like. You know, I know you said before you could do this format forever and ever, and you could, mm. but it would get stale at a certain point. And I oh, like yeah. that they've already sort of thought about that in this sequel. Like this sequel doesn't play out the same as the first one. It's not just a straight, oh, he's invited away for the weekend and has to solve a mystery. Mm. There's the plot beforehand with Cassie and Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, they sort of flipped it on its head a little bit. And so I think the way for this this franchise to survive is to continually do that and play with structure and just adjust it a bit. Like I don't know if we need a straight... Because I feel like Knives Out was pretty straight murder mystery. We're all in a house. Someone's died. One of you did it. Do you know what I mean? Whereas this, I think maybe of... it's time for 
Time for a Hitchcockian thriller, maybe. Ooh. He's on the run. He's been accused of crime himself. Okay. And has to prove that he's innocent. Mm-hmm. Classic Hitchcock, mm-hmm. wrong man, sort of. Yep. Yeah, that'd be cool. I'm here for that. Yeah. So overall, though, did you like this one? You, you sound like you're a bit unsure before. I did, I did like it. I just... I, I don't think I like it as much as the first one. And mm. part of that is vibe. I much prefer the sort of wintry rural in a house. Yeah, because you like coziness. I think that's it. I think I prefer <laughs> coziness to the beach. Um, okay. <laughs> I'm just getting so much credibility as a film critic right now. Um, yeah, there was something not as warm and inviting into this story as the first one was for me, but I still really liked it. And I liked the different turns in the narrative. I wasn't completely caught off guard but I was caught off guard enough that it was interesting for me like I sort of worked out what was going on maybe a couple of minutes before that part of the mystery was revealed and so that's Mm -hmm. okay and like at the end I knew that he handed her the um explosive thing which took a long time to be revealed also there is absolutely no way they all work walk out unscathed if it's like a, a gas fire like a massive explosion there is no way they survive and i actually thought the whole point while he gave her liquid courage and the thing was being like right i'm gonna go you know what you have to do you have to kill yourself and sacrifice yourself in order to take down edward norton and then i was like oh okay we're not doing that and i know that's not a really fun ending and this is what we're trying to do right but i i think it's a more realistic one i don't know I just struggle with movies like this sometimes where part of it's really stylized and then part of it's really realistic. The rules change depending on, you know, what they need out of the narrative. Does that make sense? All I'm hearing is you wanted mass murder as the ending of this film, which I think is a bit rough, personally. Well, I just thought that's where we were headed, everybody. <laughs> no, I get what you mean. And yeah, that, that's the movies, though. You can, you can survive explosions in the movies. That's the whole point. Yeah, okay. Well, I just feel like you've already been quite where she gets shot, right? And it's like, oh, the book saved me. My book of clues saved me. You've already got that sort of thing in there. So now are there no consequences then? Everyone who gets shot, we're like, oh, they're probably going to survive. Yeah, but that was her sister helping her from beyond the grave. I guess so. I guess so. Um, I thought one... Uh, sort of compelling aspect to the ending, especially, was Benoit realizing that there's only circumstantial evidence. There's no way. Yes, that I like they that. They prove this in a court of law, so there's got to be. Sometimes there's alternative solutions to problems, and I, I think you have to wonder if that was a bit of a reaction to um, Black Lives Matters and sort of the mm. anti-police sentiment that has sort of taken over the world over the last couple of years. Because in the first film, he worked with the police. Yeah, that's interesting. In this film, he he realises the police can't help, and so they have to go down the other other pathway. Yeah. Yeah, I just thought that was a bit Mm. interesting, and maybe maybe that's just a sort of sly reaction to that. Yeah, I didn't think about it, but yeah, for sure. Mm. So apparently they want to keep making these as long as it's still sort of fun, you know? Mm -hmm. And you can see why Ryan Johnson, after the horrible Star Wars reaction from the horrible part of that fan base like why would you want to go back and make that sort of film when you could just make this film it's fun with your friends with your friends yeah and everyone likes it you mm-hmm. know 
and the way it's going, if it's going to be a new location each time, you can just you know, pick somewhere on the map and where do you where do you want to be for a few months for like a year? <laughs> yeah, um, I read something about that. They're like they kind of felt like it was a summer camp because they were all there together yeah. working on this, which is yeah, it's part of part of the filmmaking process. Um, so yeah, and I think Netflix is sort of contracted to release a couple more at least. So I'll be there. Yeah, I'll be there. I also think it was good to see it on the big screen. Like I know absolutely. You hear, oh, it's coming to streaming, and you're like, oh, I won't bother. Then I'll wait for it to come because movies are mm-hmm. expensive, and if you're already paying a subscription fee for a streaming service, you want to make the most of it, right? Mm-hmm. But there is something special about seeing a movie like this on the big screen, making it an event, particularly to do with like the plot of this movie. You go there with these characters into this new environment with them, and then you leave. Um, yeah, just I'm glad I saw it in the cinema and didn't wait. Yeah, me too. And I, I think they've lost a lot of money by not doing that. But as I said, mm. but, but, but not having a longer period mm-hmm. in the cinema. But they're in the subscriber business, not in the cinema business. So, which is so sad and feels very cynical. But I think I think you're right. Like, mm. I don't know. Makes me a bit disheartened to think about the future of cinema and what it's going to look like to see a movie in the future. <laughs> okay, wrap up time. Yes, I did want to ask, we can cut this out of the podcast if you don't want it in, but I'm just wondering if you're uh, suing Ryan for some copyright infringement. What do you mean? Well, for those of you who don't know, Lonnie pretty much wrote this script (laughs) at uni years ago. He wrote a screenplay (laughs) called McDighton Beach where it was a rich person invites all his friends to a murder mystery party for the Mm -hmm. weekend and they have to figure out who done it. I'm just saying you might have some leverage there. I might have to um might have to get my lawyers involved. Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually another one I'm looking up right now called the After Party on Apple, mm-hmm. which you know yeah, but it's the same concept as well. Oh it's really? Actually, yeah, it's a high school reunion, and there's a um yeah someone dies. <laughs> Which is pretty similar again. Very um, similar. They've just stolen so, all of your IP, Lonnie. Seems like <laughs> you need you? to go after them. <laughs> oh well. I wonder what's next. What else they're going to steal from me in the future? If they start making some football movies, I was going to say football, know, maybe. Football. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's the angle. <laughs> oh my, what's going on? Okay, what are you what are you writing this tonight? Point. Okay. Oh. Two five. Okay. <laughs> Can you explain why? Um. That, that point two five, especially, I'm interested in. Well, it's a great movie. It's it's a great movie. That's all. <laughs> There's a butt coming. I just I didn't it didn't grab me as much as the first one, mm. but. It was great, and I, I can't really fault it in and of itself. I think it was more my expectations and things that I wanted to happen, and also the vibe. But I did pick the pineapple juice thing. You'd be proud of me. When he said, mm. I hope it's not pineapple juice because I'm allergic, I'm like, oh, that's definitely going to be the thing. <laughs> and it was. Maybe I'm getting better at picking the twists. Well spotted. For those yeah. of you who don't know, when I say, I feel like it's come across like I'm being 
um, very arrogant when I pick a twist. It's because it's very unlikely for me to pick a twist. So when it happens, I get very excited. <laughs> That's all. Fair enough. What are you rating it? Five stars for me. Okay. <laughs> it just physically pains me every time. And I think you know that. And you get a little bit of joy out of watching me suffer. No, if, if I had to, I'm going to give it five stars, but if I had to comment on something, it'd be the Jessica Hanwick of it all. Yes. That wasn't great. Um, that's about it. Okay. <laughs> well, Kate Hudson, Miss Castle. Oh, and the Kate Hudson of it all as well. Yeah. The Kate Hudson of it all. <laughs> it was pretty funny though when they had the email about the sweatshops and she thought that's why they make sweatpants. That was pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> Because you can just see, like, exactly the kind of people that that's modelled off. Yeah. And it's like, maybe they are ignorant to a certain extent, but then it's like, come on, guys. I can't help you here. <laughs> you have to help yourselves. <laughs> All right, then. Well, that's been us talking about Glass Onion. I'm pretty sure we've got a Knives Out uh, podcast but from back in the day. Also got pretty much every other film and TV show that has been released over the last six or seven years in our podcast archives all there mm-hmm. free for you especially we don't get any money out of this for you dan i'm hoping that a dan is listening and then he oh, feels he's really like, special because he's, he's like oh he's for me and driven then, off the road on his car he's like what's going on here they know my name they know my listening <laughs> habits all right well then please get amongst that thank you very much for listening and until next time what are we going to say sine keep your friends close and your Hugh Grant's closer goodbye (laughs) was there a particular thing you wanted me to say no that's funny (laughs) okay good